Genesis 15, what does he do? He makes a covenant with Abraham. That is one of the most important ones in the Bible. Um, so you have to have a covenant to have praise. So then the question becomes, how many of you know that you are in a covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ? Hello, turn this thing up a little bit. Give me a little juice. All right. How many of you know, don't raise your hands. I know Ken's, he's ready to jump on stage. I do. Listen, don't raise your hands. Think. How many of you know that you have entered a covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ? Because you are given a mark when you enter that covenant. How many of you know you have the mark? Okay? Now, I think, well, that's a good start right there. The woman that she read in the scripture, what was her key ingredient? What did she have that made the miracle happen? Faith combined with persistence. Persistence. She didn't give up. That's going to go exactly with this story today. Uh, turn to Genesis 38. And if some of you already know what this is and you're going... How is he going to get a message out of Genesis 38? <laughs> we'll get ready. How is he going to get a message out of Genesis 38? It's like, God, why did you put Genesis 38 in the middle of the story of Joseph? The chapter before, Joseph, he's, he has these dreams. He's, you know, these crazy things are going on and his brothers hate him. They threaten to kill him. They sell him into slavery. And then we go into Genesis 38 and you're like, what? Then you finish Genesis 38, you get right back into Joseph and this wonderful story, a beautiful, awesome story. Why did God put Genesis 38 in there? If you're not familiar with it, after we read it, you will probably start thinking that, okay? i tell you why. Because he knew who the Messiah was going to come from. When Moses wrote that, Moses wrote Genesis. When he wrote that down, the Messiah hadn't been born. They, they didn't know, but God knew the lineage of the Messiah. Look at this. Continuing the house. That's the name of my message. Continuing the house. Okay? Okay. Let's see. Charlie, come up here and work his thing for me. Just kidding. I'm kidding. He's ready to go. All right. Read with me. All right, I'm reading from the HCSB. Austin, is your Bible open? You got the same translation. Noah, Ryan, y'all got your heads down. Y'all talking about soccer and basketball. All right, Genesis 38. I know Noah's going to say, we weren't talking about that. We were talking about Jesus. All right, anyway, Genesis 38. At that time, Judah left his brothers and settled near an Adulamite named Hira. There, Judah saw the daughter of a Canaanite man named Shua. He took her as his wife and slept with her. She conceived and gave birth to a son, and he named him Ur. I heard that. That was mama that time. Thank God for women. That's what this Sunday is about. Alicia read that about Mark. This is all about Tamar. Thank God for women. And remember this as we're reading this. 
Every time you see a religious group of people in Scripture, it's presented as a woman. The wife of God is Israel. The bride of the church is Christ. Good and bad. You also see the harlot in Revelation. A religious group of people in Scripture is always portrayed as a woman. Okay. She conceived again, gave birth to a son, and named him Onan. She gave birth to another son and named him Shelah. It was at Zib that she gave birth to him. Judah got a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. Now Ur, Judah's firstborn, was evil in the Lord's sight, and the Lord put him to death. Then Judah said to Onan, sleep with your brother's wife, perform your duty as the brother-in-law, and produce offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the offspring would not be his, so whenever he slept with his brother's wife, he released his semen on the ground so that he would not produce offspring for his brother. What he did was evil in the Lord's sight, so he put him to death also. Then Judah said to his daughter-in-law, Tamar, Remain a widow in your father's house until my son Shelah grows up. For Judah thought he might die like his brother. So Tamar went to live in her father's house. After a long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. When Judah had finished mourning, he and his friend Hira the Adulamite went up to Tinna to shear sheep the shears. Now Judah, I would have thought the same thing. My first two boys then died with this woman. I'm like, yeah, you got to stay away. You know, back up. But um, with that being said, uh, let's see. Let's explain the lineage. Let's start at the beginning. I want to give you a picture of where we're at in Scripture. How many of y'all know who Abraham is? Okay, okay. Abraham. Let's see if this works. Ta-da! I'm sure y'all can all read that. <coughs> all right, well, anyway, the top red circle is Abraham. The next one is Isaac. The next one is Jacob. Then down here, what, what comes from Jacob? Anyone? Anyone? The 12 tribes of Israel. If you don't know this stuff, you need to get it in your head. This is very important. All right, this is called the patriarchal age, okay? This is the age of the patriarchs. This is before Moses. Moses ain't on the scene yet, okay? Well, look who comes from uh, Judah, David, and then eventually Jesus, okay? Do you see where this chapter's going? 38, how important it is? All right, now what we've got going on here is a custom, a custom where if the brother dies before there's any children born to him, then the next son marries to raise up seed to the other brother, right? That's a custom. Jessica laughed one time when Ken was talking about it. Well, never mind, I ain't going to go. She's just saying if <laughs> never mind. I shouldn't have said that, but uh, she won't go marry my brother. So anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so, but... When Moses comes along, God makes it a law. When brothers live together, I'll turn to Deuteronomy 25, or you can read it on the screen. When brothers live on the same property and one of them dies without a son, the wife of the dead man may not marry a stranger outside the family. Her brother-in-law is to take her as his wife, have sexual relations with her, and perform the duty of the brother-in-law for her. 
the first son bears, the first son she bears will carry on the name of the dead brother. So his name will not be blotted out from Israel. But if the man doesn't want to marry a sister-in-law, she must go to the elders at the city gate and say, My brother-in-law refuses to preserve his brother's name in Israel. He isn't willing to perform the duty of the brother-in-law. The elders of the city will be summoned to him, and they will speak with him. And he persists and says, I don't want to marry her. Then the sister-in-law will go up to him in the sight of the elders, remove his sandal from his foot, spit in his face. Then she will declare, this is what is done to the man who will not build up his brother's house. And his family name in Israel will be called the house of the man whose sandal was removed. Okay. There's a similarity here with Ruth. Ruth and Boaz. The exact, you're going to see a pattern through Scripture consistently with this story. Okay. So... Look at that. This is what is done to the man who will not build up his brother's house. In Hebrew, um, for, let's see, when you build your family, you build it on your sons and daughters. So when they look at building a home out of a structure, they look at your family as the same way. You're continually, you, you have to do maintenance on your house. You put up new stuff. That's the same thing with a family. A new one is born, a new generation, the next one dies. That's how the Hebrews in their thinking looked at this. Okay, what does that look like? Don't answer, I'll give it to you. These are two Hebrew letters. This would have been a, probably about how they wrote Hebrew during the time of the patriarchs. What is that? Okay, the one on the right is a picture of a house plan. The one on the left is a picture of a seed. Okay, the one on the right would be our letter B. The one on the left would be in. So in Hebrew, you read right to left. Okay? Now, that means continuing the house in Hebrew. So how do you say son in Hebrew? Ben. Ben means son in Hebrew. See, to the Hebrews, when you build your house, you build it out of your sons and your daughters. Okay? That is the way their thinking is. The word for daughter, the word for build, the word for stone, straw, these are all related in Hebrew to that root of the house and the seed. So when Jesus says, I am this stone, the stone in Hebrew is pronounced Evan. If you know anybody named Evan, it means stone. Jesus says, I am the stone, and the church of God will be built on me. That is that Hebrew thinking. You build it. Jesus is called the cornerstone. You build it on top of not a son, but the son. Okay, going right along. So here's the point. This story is so important because for the covenant in Genesis 15 to be fulfilled, Jesus has to be born. They, keep, they have to continue the house, continue the seed. But what do we see happening? We see people dying. Three people die in that chapter. Something is wrong. But we would say, well, Satan is killing them. No, God is the one that takes them out. God is the one that removes them. Okay? God, all right, I'm going to mess with your heads a little bit. God predestined that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Judah would have Jesus. But at the same time, Tamar has free will. Does she become part of that plan? Or does she give up? Think about it. 
you have a clear picture of predestination and free will in the same chapter. That's all over Scripture. You cannot say it's 100% predestination and man, God does what he does, man has no choice because they're both in Scripture. They seem not to make sense to us, but you're seeing it right here. God had determined that it was going to happen. But does Tamar become part of his plan? Or she does she give up? No, she's persistent. The, uh, we're going to get into it. The boys are a little messed up, but the girl hangs in there. Okay? This covenant, you receiving the Holy Spirit depends on Genesis 15. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it is written, everyone who is hung on a tree is cursed. The purpose was that the blessings of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Do you realize you are considered Abraham's seed? You, You get to go to heaven and receive the blessings because of Abraham. If you're not familiar with that covenant, I encourage you, study it. Study it very carefully. It's very important. All right, let's start with Tamar. Tamar. She is a type of the believer. Okay? And now I know, all right, look, you're going to, you read the story, and there's some of this stuff in here is a little shady, and you're like, I don't know, but stay with me. Stay with me. Tamar is a type of the believer. She's persistent. Her name means palm tree, okay? Another word in Hebrew for pillar is closely related to her name, Tamar. What, have you ever seen a palm tree? It's tall and straight, okay? And... What is a pillar? It's tall, it's straight, and it doesn't give up. A pillar is strong. That's what this girl was. In Hebrew, the names of people is their character. What are they like? What, what kind of, because in Hebrew, it's Shem. The name is Shem, and it has to do with your breath. Literally, your, your exhale and inhale, your inner being, your character. That's what this girl was. Interesting. Lee, is that the branches from this are also used in the Festival of Booths, which is a symbol of the Millennial Kingdom, which has to do with rest. So this tree, who is a type of the church, is going to be in the Millennial Kingdom. Okay. It also produces fruit. So, moving right along. Are y'all with me? Sort of. Okay. A couple of you. If you're not, that's all right. Well, no, it's not. Keep, come on. Come on. Come on. All right. Genesis 38, 7. Now Ur, Judah's firstborn, was evil in the Lord's sight, and the Lord put him to death. His name means to awake. His name means to wake. It literally comes from the idea of being shaken awake. Okay? You're going to see that these boys' names are a pattern that the believer... See, when you start following the Lord, it ain't a one-shot deal. Uh, Jerry Falwell used to say that the Christian life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. <laughs> you better pace yourself because it's going to be a while. These, the boys' names are a pattern of what the believer does. Okay, the first boy she meets, his name is awake. What's the first thing we do? You're dead in your sins, but God comes along and wakes you up. Right? 
wakes you up. All right, let's go back. Yeah, that's okay. He wakes you up. So notice that he dies, but there's still no new life in her. Okay? Think about this. We're talking about the seed. We're talking about replenishing life. She marries the first husband awake, but there's no new life. Okay? Let's go to the next one. Then Judah said to Onan, sleep with your brother's wife. Perform your duty as a brother-in-law, and you know, and so on and so on. Do I need to repeat it? Okay. So uh, what he did was evil in the Lord's sight. Okay? So what does God do to him? He puts him to death. His name means strong. Okay? The power in the belly are loins for reproductive work or creative work. His name comes from the idea of an animal searching through the land, finding a mate, the strength to do that. He, he doesn't live up to his name. Okay? So, ow. It's a bug. Sorry about that. Trying to mess me up. All right. Uh, so, uh, let's see. Where are we at here? Thank you, Willie. Um, let's see. What is the next thing that we always go through as believers? When we come to Jesus, the next thing you go through is testing every time. When Jesus is baptized, he comes up out the water just like we are. And where does he go? Right into the desert, testing. You see this pattern over and over. Israel, they come out of um, Egypt. They go through the Red Sea, and they're praising God. They're happy, boy. But then what happens? They go into the desert for three days. It's another way of testing. Uh, you see this pattern over and over. Why does God test us? Consider it great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. It builds your strength. It makes you stronger. Do you see what's going on here? The testing of your faith is being stronger. This girl's faith is being tested. Um, another thing that it does is it's like a cleansing agent. It will cleanse you of your sin. When you go through hard times and you come down here to the altar, you say, Lord, take it all away. I don't care. Just help me. And what do you? why are you down here? Because you're humbling yourself. Humility. God will not work with you. That's what Onan lacked. He doesn't want to give his brother the glory for the son. Think about it. If he gives Tamar the son, then her, his brother gets the glory, not him. And he doesn't want that. He had too much pride. He wasn't able to humble himself. That's what God does. Let's see. But he gives grace greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, but resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts, double-minded people. Be miserable. Mourn and weep. Your laughter must change to mourning and your joy to sorrow. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. All right, let's move on. Then Judah says to his daughter-in-law, Tamar, Remain a widow in your father's house until Shelah grows up, for he thought he might die too like his brothers. So Tamar went to live in her father's house. The third son's name is Petition. 
petition. It says that Judah doesn't give him to her, but the boy gets old enough to where he could be. Why doesn't he ask? He could have petitioned his father, but he doesn't, does he? He doesn't. His name means a seeking for what is not known. That's the next phase when you're going with God. You, you're uh, baptized into his death, raised into new life. You are considered dead, um, just like Jesus. Jesus dies on the cross in the tomb for three days, and he comes back to new life. You die with Jesus. Why? Because you have been programmed with the world. Your mind, this third thing is all about your mind. What was the third thing in the, uh, the third piece of furniture in the um, temple, in the tabernacle? It was the seven, it was a menorah, the seven um, lamps. And it represents the mind of God. When you are die and you raise new life, you need to be reprogrammed with the knowledge of God. Think about this. Israel, they go through the Red Sea. They're in the desert for three days looking for water. Then what happens? They come to the Mount Sinai in chapter 19. When do they enter a covenant with God? They don't enter a covenant with God till chapter 24. What is God doing when he's giving them the Ten Commandments? He's reprogramming them. He's giving them knowledge. Okay? They still have not entered a covenant. Just like Tamar, she has still not reproduced new life. Okay? All right, let's keep on moving. All right. Now... Look what happens. Here's the interesting thing. The wife dies instead of the son. Look at what her name means. Canaanite, Lord, just as the heavens are above, so am I, and you are below. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. She is the woman of the world. Her father's name is Shua, which means wealthy. It says when she has the third son in Kazaz, it means false, what does not function in the capacity it was meant? That is amazing to me. That's where she has a third son. These three boys, their names are supposed to be their character. They do not function in the capacity that they were meant to be. All three of them fail. They're children of the world, okay? Tamar was told, your father-in-law is going up to Tenma to shear his sheep. Go to uh, Genesis 38, 13. We're moving on along. So she took off her widow's clothes, veiled her face, covered herself, sat at the entrance of that word, which is on the way to Timnah, for she saw that though Sheila had grown up, she had not been given to him as a wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face. He went over to her and said, Come, let me sleep with you, for he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, What will you give me for sleeping with me? I will send you a young goat from my flock, he replied. But she said, Only if you leave me something with me until you send it. What should I give you, I, she, he asked. She answered, Your signet ring, your cord, and the staff in your hand. So he gave them to her and slept with her, and she got pregnant by him. That word, she says, leave me something, is a, I think in the, if you got to King James, it says a pledge. It's a token. 
Something you leave with another person is a way to show that you will keep your promise. Okay? She got up, left, then removed her veil, put her widow clothes back on. When Judah sent the young goat by his friend the Adulamite in order to get back the items he had left with the woman, he could not find her. He asked the men of the place, where's the cult prostitute who was beside the road at Emna? There has been no cult prostitute here, they answered. So the Adulamite returned to Judah saying, I couldn't find her. And furthermore, the men of the place said, there has been no cult prostitute here. Judah replied, let her keep the items for herself. Otherwise, we will become a laughingstock. After all, I did send the young goat, but you couldn't find her. About three months later, Judah was told, your daughter-in-law Tamar has been acting like a prostitute. And now she is pregnant. Bring her out, Judah said. Let her be burned to death. That word in Hebrew literally means cremated. He's saying, we're going to burn her to ashes. As she was being brought out, she sent her father-in-law this message. I am pregnant by the man to whom these items belong. And she added, examine them. Whose signet ring, whose cord and staff are these? Judah recognized them and said, she is more in the right than I, since I did not give her to my son, Sheila, and he did not know her intimately. Okay, signet ring. She gets three items. All right, let me finish the story. So she ends up having twins by Judah, and one of them is Perez, who the Messiah eventually comes through. The lineage is about to die off. The house is about to die. Couldn't the Messiah have come through them other boys? Sure. They chose not to be part of God's plan. Do you hear what I'm saying? Predestination, free will. But Tamar did not give up. She is a persistent woman, albeit I don't suggest all of her methods, but she, she reproduced and kept the house going, okay? Now think about this. He, she asked for a signet ring. Now I want you to, all right, so now they have entered a covenant together. They made an agreement, did they not? And he, she asked for a token, okay? So, and then new life is reproduced. So then she asked for three items. And so the signet ring, you would have poured clay or wax on maybe a document. You put that signet ring in there, and it is a mark. They know this is Judah. Judah put his mark on this, okay? Some say that it might have been a lion because later on in Genesis, the father makes a reference to the lion, the tribe of Judah, yada, yada, yada. That's a Hebrew word, by the way, too, yada. So I wonder, is Paul thinking of this story when he writes this? When you hear, heard the message of the truth of the gospel of your salvation, when you believed in him, you were also sealed. That's that same, it's not the same word because one is Greek, one is Hebrew, but it's the same meaning, being marked. But what are you marked with? He is the, down, the Holy Spirit. He is the down payment of our inheritance for the redemption of the possession of the praise of the glory. What he's talking about there, he's saying the Holy Spirit is your guarantee that I'm going to come back and complete the transaction. Do you see what I'm saying? That's the same thing Tamar asked for. Give me something so I know you'll come back and complete the transaction. 
Jesus says, I will give you the Holy Spirit. You are marked. Okay? You are marked. That's how you know if you've entered the covenant or not with Christ, if you have the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Romans, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are not his child. It's very simple. But so many people can't seem to understand it. Why? Okay. Next thing she asked for, the cord. The cord, they say, probably would have, the ring would have hung around the cord around his neck. It's a braided bracelet. It would have been a necklace. And the idea is that the believer and the Holy Spirit are woven together. That is what the day of Pentecost is all about. You have God here. You've got man over here. What do they do? They come together and they produce new life. Judah and Tamar, they come together and produce new life. It's the same thing with a man and a woman. God says the two shall become one. And what happens? They consummate the covenant and the two become one. You see this pattern through life all the time. Okay? The two, but what, what feast is the fourth? It is the fourth feast is Pentecost, right? Okay, the fourth feast is Pentecost. And remember, in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they're not supposed to put leaven in the bread. But in this one, in the fourth feast, they are. It's harvest time. And what are they doing? They're celebrating. Do you know what Judah's name means? Praise. Can I get an amen? Praise. His name means praise. She could not praise till she entered the covenant. Okay, so in the fourth feast, they're allowed to mix the leaven with the bread. It's a symbol of sin, God and man being mingled together. That is the idea. Guess what son Judah is? He's Israel's fourth son. The first child she has is Judah's fourth son. There is a, it may be a coincidence, I don't think so. But it's always in the fourth, the fourth all right, keep on going here. The staff, the word is used of a rod, but it's also used of tribes. And remember in Romans when uh, Paul says you are grafted into the olive tree, you are grafted in together. What that symbolizes, I think, is you becoming part of the tribe of Judah. You are no longer separated. You are allowed to receive that inheritance because you, are, you have the staff of Judah. All right? Let's see. Now notice, he's ready to kill this woman. What keeps him from killing the woman? The items. That's the same thing. Brother, you are going to mess up and God's going to come looking for you. But when he sees the mark of the covenant, he's not going to cremate you. Do you see what I'm saying? You're going to screw up. You're going to mess up. The items do not identify the child. They identify who the child belongs to. You see what I'm saying? He was ready to cremate her. But once he realizes it's his children, he stops. God does the same thing. Man, if we didn't have that, God would destroy this whole land. He would wipe it off the face of the earth. But it's because some of you are marked with the items of the covenant that he holds back. Do you see what I'm saying? Please enter the covenant. Let's see. Whew. 
Um, now, I want you to stay with me here. I know I've given you a lot of information, but I want to, I want to show you another pattern. It's very similar to this. Matthew 13. Taylor, why are you yawning? <laughs> she said, Dad, you better knock my socks off. Apparently I'm not. Okay. Matthew 13. Think about it. The seed, it's the same idea. Jesus is talking about the same thing. Renewing the seed. When a plant is planted in the ground, it comes up, drops more seeds, and reproduces Humans and plants are the same way. You keep reproducing. But Jesus is talking about the gospel. Do you hear me? So he's talking about reproducing believers. Reproducing believers, okay? What's the first thing? He says the seed falls on the path, and it doesn't even get in the ground. And who snatches it? The devil snatches away. With Ur, it says... It doesn't even say that he even consummated the marriage. We don't know if they even had any relations. And he's gone. He's out. Next thing Jesus says, he says that the seed falls on the rocky ground. And when it comes up, it doesn't have the strength to withstand the heat. And he says that's persecution. Jesus says himself, that's persecution. Testing. But they can't handle it. So what do they do? They die. It's the same. Jesus, there's three deaths in that story of Jesus and Matthew, just like there's three deaths here. The third one, what happens? Listen to me. The seed falls among the thorns, and it comes up with the thorns, and what does the thorns do? Chokes them out. What do the thorns represent? Wealth and things of this world. Who dies in the third one? The daughter of the world, of the daughter of the man named Wealthy. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's a pattern here. Take these two scriptures home tonight. Examine them with each other, okay? You have got to get this in your mind, okay? you got to work on it. It's not going to happen in an hour on Sunday morning. you got to take these things. Don't take my word for it. Examine it. Find out for yourself, okay? So then what happens next? Then Jesus says, but some, there's a harvest. What was the fourth feast? It's a harvest festival. Jesus says, on the fourth one, they produce a crop. You know why? This is my opinion. It's because that fourth one entered the covenant. Okay, now I'm going to throw something out at you here. Okay? Me and Ken, this is what I like about Ken. We can disagree on stuff, and most of y'all don't have no idea, but we can discuss it. When I first come here, they said that you ask Jesus into your heart, but being filled with the Holy Spirit is a separate thing. That's like, oh, okay, sure. You know what? I believe it now because I can find it in Scripture. That's what happens right here. They, Tamar goes through three testing, and then on the fourth one is when she has the new life. Not on the first one. So then I started saying, well, wait a minute. Can you lose your salvation? Okay, because I'm of the school that you don't lose it, right? But wait a minute. Did they ever have it in the first place? Okay, so let's go back and examine it again. The first seed 
or the first brother, what if Tamar gives up on the first one? What if Tamar gives up on the second one? What if she gives up on the third one? Maybe the reason that so many, look, man, you have seen it. People come to church and they come down to the altar. They, oh, dear God, help me, please. And then a week later, they're at the bar drinking and partying. And they're Facebook and they're like, woo, look at me. You don't have to go meet them. You can look at Facebook. And it's like, you don't look like you're in a covenant with Jesus right now. Okay? Why? Listen to me. Why is it that so many of our family members, our brothers, our sisters, they seem to start on the path, but they don't complete the transaction? That's my opinion. Because of this scripture, because of what you guys believe has tested me. And I have learned from you because of that. Once, now this is my opinion, once you enter the covenant, just like Tamar, he doesn't give her, uh, destroy her because she has entered the covenant. She has received the marks of Jesus. Okay? But before that, it's not there. What if, our brothers and sisters and children, and we say, I, I don't know, man. I mean, one, you know, they, they started and maybe they're saved. And Lord, help y'all when you have to preach these uh, funerals. I, I, I don't think I'd want it. If I don't know, if they're in there, I'm like, I don't know. They asked for Jesus when they was like seven years old, but then they, they live like, what's that dude that just died from Playboy? Man, he did us some good, didn't he? Hugh Hefner. Hey, who doesn't want that job? Walk around in your uh, PJs all day. Not me, because I'm telling you, he ain't having a party now. You know, he is not partying now. You see what I'm saying? There's going to be evidence in your life that it is real. So Jesus himself even says in my opinion, that some people can fall off the road. Maybe that's why we think they lose their salvation. It's because they're acting like they don't have it, and maybe they didn't. You take this, you examine it yourself, but apply it to your life. Because here, here's what's going on. What's wrong with this country? Everybody says, what's wrong with this country? You've got to continue the seed. You have to continue to see, but the seed don't start here on Sunday morning. It starts with your little babies at home. It starts in the home. I have thoughts. I say, maybe I could be a preacher. But then something enters my mind, and I say, how are you going to go tell all them people when you don't teach your own children? I got to get them right before I go reach the world. It was uh, Moody or one of them that had all these children that none of them was saved. He, he helped millions to be saved, but his own household, they don't know. It starts at the house. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I will reject you from serving as my priests. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your sons. He's talking about your house. That word. For knowledge means discernment. It's the quality of being able to grasp, comprehend what is obscure, and intimacy with a person, idea, or concept. 
intimacy. Do you have that intimacy with God? I'm going to tell you, you ain't going to get it on Sunday morning, Wednesday. It helps, and God knows we need each other. It helps. But most of the work is done in your private time in your house. And that's the other thing. It's like people can go to church on Sunday, and, and then they live like the devil during the weekend. Kids, they, they're not dumb. They know. They know what's going on. They're not fooled. And then they go out, and you're like, I don't know what happened. I just start them when they're little continue the seed continue the house i ask you this morning if you want to come down and pray pray for your house pray for your children pray for your seed okay because we got to renew it at home the, the discipleship starts at home so if you'll turn the music up really loud and y'all just come pray if you feel led to you.